0: The end of the world is coming, and spoiler alert, it ends with the reign of Christ, the defeat of Satan, and a new heavens and a new earth. Welcome to Daily Gospel, equipping you to know God through His Word and His Son, Jesus Christ. My name is Keith, and this is Brandon, and we are pastors here in Santa Cruz, California at Gospel Community Church. Welcome, like, subscribe, and comments. Well, this is our very last recording for the entire Bible, well, minus the Psalms. Yeah,
1: yeah. So we do have—first of all, if you've come this far, praise God. It's amazing. Yeah. And I I hope you'll share your stories with us of— yeah, how, how God has grown you through reading His Word, through mm-hmm. being in this. I, I believe, as we mentioned at the beginning, that God uh, works powerfully through His Word to shape us, and we often neglect that. Mm-hmm. So if you have some, a great story to share, let us know. We'd love to hear it. Um, I hope this has been helpful for you the last two years. we got big plans for next year as well, so we'll be going through Psalms chapter by chapter. That'll probably take us a few years to really dig into that. So we want to keep giving you guys... Great Bible study material to help you know God's Word better, and then we'll also do some studies on specific theological topics. So there'll be a lot of, I think, different, diverse, interesting content next year that will, hopefully will help you and bless you in your walk with God.
0: Yeah, amen. Looking forward to it. Yeah,
1: yeah. our favorite favorite video right now is our video on uh, predestination. <laughs> Not surprising, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah, um, we yeah, get stole often like very like much in membership class. And all yes. That, so, yeah. yeah. So some of you guys are. Fiery on there. <laughs> I've been denounced we love as a it. False we, teacher. I feel like I've arrived when I've been denounced as a false teacher for teaching <laughs> basic biblical perspectives. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. The obvious perspective on on uh, you know God's sovereignty. I would say it's pretty obvious. Yeah.
1: <laughs> not easy to, to resolve. Not easy to swallow, but it's there. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, so yeah, give us a comment if you if there's a topic you want us to discuss, let us know and we will. Take that into consideration. We'd well, like to hear from you guys. Well, I think one of those topics
0: is in our episode today.
1: Oh yeah, the millennium. The millennium. Oh, the millennium. We, we it's arrived. a good one. It's a good one. So you may have heard of this millennium. You may have heard of different kind of buzzwords: ah, millennial, pre-millennial. If you're like really cool, you don't even say the last part. You just say ah, mill, pre-mill, post-mill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are super yeah. cool
0: guys. Well, uh, you're not cool if you say post-mill.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. So, but you know, if you want to be hip, that's how you refer to it. Um but le- what do they mean? What does this refer to? So premillennial view. So all of these refer to Revelation chapter 20, which yes. speaks of this thousand years where Christ reigns. So the question is, what is that reign? When does it occur? Right. Is it physical on the earth? Is it a spiritual thing? Mm-hmm. God's church? Is it the new heavens and the new earth? Uh, mm-hmm. There's lots of different views. So premillennial view Pre for before right is that Christ it, there's a time of intense persecution for the church and then after that Christ comes he wins the battle against the beast and the prophet and then he sets up a kingdom for a thousand years mm-hmm. and then after that kingdom Satan is released he is defeated finally and then the new heavens and new earth comes in so maybe that's a literal thousand years maybe not premillennialists don't agree on that necessarily. Uh-huh. But it takes these events in chapters nineteen and twenty in a and twenty-one in a linear fashion, right? Uh-huh. As laying out events that are going to happen. Post millennial is a view that a real earthly millennium will be established and it'll be a golden age of the church. So the gospel will go out, it will be victorious, a massive number of people are converted, and the the earth ends this kind of or enters this kind of golden age. And then Christ returns after that golden age to bring in the new heavens and new earth. So it's a reign of Christ through his people, is more of the idea. Um, not a literal Christ reigning on the earth. A millennial is the view that the millennium is the time that we're in now. Mm-hmm. So ah, uh, so pre is before, post is after. So that's kind of makes sense. Ah uh, means like not, or mm-hmm. like so there's no millennium, is kind of a literal translation, but that's that not that really fair sense. to them. Yeah, yeah. Make sense. what they believe there's no literal millennium, but the millennium is the time we're in now. So it's a time between Christ's first and second comings, and God is reigning through His church. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how all millennials would view that. All millennial lists. And then there's anti-millennial, which is people who are sick of talking about the millennium. Um, <laughs> just kidding. That's I made the last one up. I just saw but, that in notes for the first time, so it's pretty funny. <laughs> yes, I write down my jokes that are still still <laughs> nice. terrible. Um, so anyway, so I would land in the pre-millennial camp when I read these, these chapters. It seems clear that these are real events that are happening. Um, there's a few reasons why I would take it that way that we'll look at when we get to chapter 20. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's good to just view this in a spiritual sense. And it seems pretty clear that Christ is coming to establish this rule after the defeat of these powers in the the beast and the prophet. So, mm-hmm. anyway, we should we should get into this. So we're going to spend probably most of our time's, time in chapters 20 and 22. That's all the fun stuff. But chapter 17 is important, right? So mm-hmm. we're introduced to the um, not-so-lovely whore, Yep. of Babylon, the mm. great prostitute, the great harlot, depends on your translation, I guess. But this is um, th- this is set up in contrast to what's going to come next, which is the bride of mm-hmm. Christ being yeah. presented. And so I think it's very helpful to understand that the, the whore and the bride are contrasted. Yeah. And there's a real question here that needs to be answered, which is do you love the bride or do you love the whore? Mm-hmm. As blunt as that may sound for me to say, It's very important. Who do you love? Right. Um, Chapter 17, verse 4 says, The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a, a name of mystery, Babylon the great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. So this is... Well, obviously, you can see the values here. Um, I would take this as an encapsulation of all the evil empires of the world mm-hmm. or as this culmination of this final great empire. I I think, you know, you can say it's Babylon or you can say it's Rome, but really it seems like we saw with that, the beast, and the beast comes here again in verse 3, but with the seven heads and ten horns, it's a culmination of all of these empires mm-hmm. is the idea. And the... Here we see these are the things that she lives for and loves and, and, and lifts up. And so us as Christians, we need to be against those things. Yeah, We, we need to take seriously that the sexual immorality and uh, impurity and all these things are a mark of the whore, not of the bride of Christ. Right. And so we need to put those things away from our, our lives. Mm-hmm. It's so easy for us as Christians to have our view of reality shaped by the world. And, of course, we've talked a lot about... The sexual revolution, the LGBT movement, mm-hmm. and and how clearly Christians should condemn that movement, not those people, mm-hmm. of course, because we believe everyone can be saved and God saves all kinds of people. But that movement which which puts forward things that the Bible says are evil as not only normal but as good mm-hmm. should be should be horrifying to us. We should not engage with that. Yeah. And yet so many Christians are. Capitulating and, and compromising in the name of love. Mm-hmm. So we should be ones that stand clear, and we should our lives should reflect that, right? Yeah. Amen. What are you doing in private? Is what you do in private reflecting that you love the whore or that you love the bride? Mm-hmm. It's an important question. So the kings of the earth are weeping, the merchants are weeping because of the loss of Babylon as it's destroyed mm-hmm. in chapter eighteen, um, and we see again the kind of the picture of don't engage with the world with, you know, don't have the values of the world in chapter 18, verse 4, where it says, come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has re- remembered her iniquities. Hmm. So don't engage and love what the world loves. So people are weeping over the destruction. There's an interesting comment on, in chapter 18, verse 13, about slavery that many have noted. So it's it's recounting all the things that, the, that Babylon has brought into the world, that this that the world has given all the prosperity, but then at the end it mentions slaves in verse 13, and it says that is human souls. Hmm. So the selling, the trading of this city include people. It's a very interesting statement about slavery, right. just in that little phrase that slavery, slavery, selling of people is human souls. And it seems to be an implicit condemnation mm-hmm. of that. You're right so very interesting statement about slavery chapter 19 babylon is condemned and the judgment is given to her and then the battle begins and so we see this the bride presented in chapter 19 verse 6 and of course this is compared to the whore in chapter 17 and 18. Mm -hmm. and so verse 7 of chapter 19 it says let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready so it's anticipating this marriage supper that's going to come, right. and it's it, you know, longing for that. In verse eight, it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. So the bride is coming, and then Christ comes in verse eleven to vanquish his enemies, hmm. and he's sitting on a white horse. We see in verse eleven he's called faithful and true. His eyes, verse twelve, are like f- flame of fire. He's wearing many crowns. Mm-hmm. He's, verse 13, he's clothed in a robe dipped in blood. Uh And the name by which he is called is the word of God. So we see clearly that is Jesus Christ. And he's coming to defeat the enemies of God. Verse 16, on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So he's coming to reclaim what is his. This is a picture of the second coming of Christ. He's coming down in the flesh To defeat his enemies and that's what he does. So this battle happens the beast and the false prophet are thrown into the fire and Victory is won not the final victory, but it is very significant victory and This initiates the millennial reign of Christ. So Mm -hmm. chapter 20 we see that Satan is bound and he's bound for a thousand years so again thousand years I don't, I don't think things much hinges on whether that's a literal, mm-hmm. like to the day kind of a thing. It could be less, could be more. It speaks to a full amount of time, mm-hmm. is, seems to be the idea. So this is a long reign of Christ. And what happens here, I, again, it's, I know it sounds strange to us, but what does the text actually say here? In verse th- 4 it says, Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads, their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So these these saints who have been martyred are resurrected and enter into a reign with Christ. Uh So a big question here is, is this resurrection literal or figurative? Uh So, So, you know, if you're... Um, post-millennial or amillennial, you'd have to take this as a figurative resurre- resurrection. some sort of a spiritual life given to these people, I guess, and they reign sort of in heaven maybe mm-hmm. with Christ. If you're premillennial, you're seeing this as people are actually resurrected and brought into this earthly kingdom. Mm-hmm. So the word resurrection in the New Testament always refers to a bodily resurrection. Mm. The only part where it seems to be questioned is here. Right. So because again, verse verse five, I should read that first. But the rest of the dead did not come to life until a thousand years were ended. Uh-huh. This is the first resurrection.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And then down below, when the great white throne judgment comes, it says that everyone else is resurrected. That's the second mm-hmm. resurrection. So do these resurrections refer to the same actual, you know, thing happening to these people? That right. they're, that what it refers to in all of scripture, which is the, the life of, Coming back into your bones, right? Your body being reformed, and you entering into a new power of life—is that what it refers to? Is it the same as the resurrection of Jesus? It's a—it's a tough case, I believe, to make this mean something figurative. I—I mm-hmm. I, I don't see how you can easily make that—that that case. Um, and of course, it talks about over this over such the second death has no power, but they will be priests of Christ and of God, or of God and of Christ, and they will reign with Him for a thousand years. So they they reign, and I would take that as a literal reign. Of course, there's other passages we could go to for this, but just based on this passage, the case seems to be the most natural reading seems to be that there's an actual kingdom on the earth, mm-hmm. and that these are these are events that happen in some order, especially just the language of like then he keeps saying like then, and and then in verse seven when the thousand years were ended, this happens, and then after that verse eleven, then I saw a great white throne. So it seems they seem to be. laid out in an order Mm -hmm. and we didn't see the same thing with the 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 bulls and seals yeah Yeah, so this seems to be very very linear yeah um so after the thousand years satan is released and there's this final battle that's in chapter 20 verses 7 to 10 and the devil is conquered and then he's thrown into the the lake of fire and then we enter into the eternal state So that's followed by the great white throne judgment. So verse twelve says he says, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. So the the judgment comes, books are opened that say, Here are the sins you've committed, mm-hmm. and you're you're judged by your works. Mm-hmm. And so do you deserve Life, or do you deserve death? And of course, we know that those who do not deserve life go to death or go to the lake of fire. So, verse 14 says, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. So, God conquers death finally. Uh This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So, judgment is certain, it is terrifying, it is eternal, and we should take it very seriously. And then we see that the final act which is verse chapter 21 verse 1 then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away so this is the next event in that order new heaven new earth so God is recreating all of creation he gets rid of the old order we saw in second peter it's burned up mm-hmm. it's made new It passes through judgment, so now it's perfected. Mm -hmm. And then we get this glimpse that's really unparalleled in Scripture of what that final city, that final creation will look like. Right. And this is just, I mean, just beautiful language. I feel like we quote so many times in our sermons because it's so compelling and Mm -hmm. so incredible. He says, I saw the holy city New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Mm -hmm. So the bride was prepared previously, and now it's happening. Right? Yeah. The, the wedding supper, the celebration, the consummation of all things, heaven is coming down to a, a newly created earth, Yeah. and God is going to live with his people in perfection.
0: Amazing. It's like this is the moment like the whole Bible has been waiting for. Right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And verse 3, right? I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. uh uh-huh. This is what was longed for in, well, what we had in Eden, and we lost it. Mm-hmm. It's what was longed for in the temple and the tabernacle and was never fully realized because of man's sin. Right. It's what Jesus came to initiate, right, to tabernacle among us, like John 1.14 says. And now we have the fullness displayed as God is coming down to earth mm-hmm. and bringing all of his glory and his beauty and his perfection with him. Right. In verse four, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Yeah, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Mm. So this is a perfect world without any sorrow, any suffering. Yeah, it's exactly what God made it to be. Yeah, no sin. Yeah, and then in chapter five, he says, i or sorry, verse five, he says, "Behold, I am making all things new." So God's going to recreate everything. He's going to redeem every sorrow. He's going to complete every story of his people Mm -hmm. in his grand story that culminates in this beautiful resolution of all things. Right. And you know, I mentioned I I taught on this passage, uh, you know, a few months back because I just was so in love with this passage. And I I mentioned, you know, that that the uh, the desire we have for resolution to stories Mm -hmm. it's it's an amazing thing, and how so many movies now are just basically it's an old movie they don't really create anything new they just take that old movie that you had nostalgia for and then they bring resolution mm-hmm. and you you keep we keep going to them cuz they they there's something about them that are really fun no. and of course i mentioned what is quite possibly the greatest movie in history top gun maverick oh I, yes I, in fact I, you, I i had we met a guys in the other other week and one of the guys there was like it is the best movie of all time <laughs> like and he was even <laughs> joking he's like 100% <laughs> Um, I'm like that's it's just because it's not woke it's the only like not woke movie <laughs> yeah something. but I, the, the original Top Gun you know Top Gun is your favorite movie it, it is yeah I the original them. the original
0: Top Gun is my favorite movie and it historically has been so when the new one came out which is quite good it's, yeah. I think it's better than the first but there's a special place in my heart for the yeah. first one um but I was so excited that um, my friends actually liked Top Gun all of a sudden. Yeah, no,
1: because well, it took all these. It was so amazing because it took all these different threads that were kind of left mm-hmm. unsettled and unresolved, and it in this movie it redeems every storyline. Yeah, right? it brings it all back this beautiful conclusion. Everyone's happy, and there's something that's so uh, nice about that, yeah. you know. For and sure. and that's what the you know. The Bible is like Top Gun. Yeah. I know it sounds stupid, but, <laughs> but the Bible is doing that. Like That desire we have for resolution to the stories mm-hmm. points to the fact that we need resolution to this mess of history. Yeah. that There needs to be judgment for the wicked. There needs to be vindication for the righteous. There needs to be God's story wrapped up in a beautiful way. And God shows us that the entire storyline, all these loose threads are coming together and being brought full circle in a beautiful way at the end. Yeah. So that's the best way I can describe what's happening here. Well, I love what you just
0: said. I mean, the emphasis that justice needs to happen—that's the longing of the human soul. That righteousness needs to be redeemed and and honored. That's something that the human soul needs, and and humans need to know God. You know, and be with yeah. Him. And that's what we get here in Revelation. Like, it's, yeah, it's so amazing that we forget about that in in our day to day.
1: Yeah, it's right. great. It's great. And remember, the story of Scripture starts in a garden. Uh God's people have communion with God and instead of knowing God, they rebel against him, Uh right? Instead of honoring him and obeying him, they rebel. And then the story comes to a turning point really when Jesus Christ is also in a garden, garden of Gethsemane, facing a similar temptation to follow his own will. But he says, not my will, but yours be done, God. Uh And he chooses to do what Adam didn't do. And he, brings life and salvation and a reversal of the curse Mm -hmm. and at the end here we end up back in a garden but a garden that's expanded into a city right where all of those things are being made new so don't miss that garden imagery that the tree of life the rivers all that stuff it's so important yeah so um let's look at the city a little bit the new jerusalem i love okay so we won't read through this but this is a literal city I believe we're going to live in forever. But he's when he describes the city, he focuses on like walls, gates, foundations, streets. Yeah. All the least exciting, least interesting parts <laughs> of the a, infrastructure. Of a building. <laughs> yeah. Like parts you may not never even notice the foundation until it goes wrong. But it, I, I love this because he takes the most ordinary and unimportant parts hmm. and he describes them with such elaborate beauty well not elaborate but with such incredible expense and beauty right yeah like God doesn't spare an expense on the foundation or mm-hmm. the streets yeah. of the city yeah right like that is incredible because that's the kind of craftsman that god is right right the gates are all a single pearl mm-hmm. giant giant pearl and so just this beautiful unbelievable depiction so imagine how beautiful the inside of the city is or the right. throne of God or the places where we'll dwell forever if just the 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 kind of the worthless seeming parts are that beautiful right and so God is like that though he creates with um, incredible lavish beauty things that are throwaways for us right you know flowers things we don't even notice sometimes yeah and it
0: just yeah just what is described like just sparks the imagination to to
1: imagine what what we don't read about right yeah so yeah Yeah, it's good so that the gates are the the twelve tribes the foundations of the 12 apostles. So we see God's people, Israel and the church kind of being brought together in this picture. Um, And then God takes all of these stories and he brings resolution to them. Yeah, These people that were, many of them were very, very sinful. Oh, they all were very, very sinful like us. Mm -hmm. We see that there's a lot of room in this city. The measurements are given. And the measurements are in verse 16, but to sum up in, in English terms, it's 1400 miles wide and 1400 miles long and 1400 miles tall. Mm-hmm. So I, i've seen like you know on a globe like this someone doesn't a, doesn't a model and it's like it's like <laughs> a stack of sticky notes, you know, just sticking off of. And I don't know if that the the new earth will be much larger, who knows. But this city is incredibly massive. Mm-hmm. You know, um, every every person in the world could have you know 7000 square feet uh, on one floor mm-hmm. of, a, of a place that size Crazy. so to think about that so and then of course you have that many stories you have um, i think i wrote down here you have half a million stories yeah so you can has the world's population in luxury half a million times over <laughs> and so god's making room for a lot of people right and he's giving an incredible home to those who believe in him mm. In verses twenty-two to twenty-seven, I, I thought it was interesting all the negatives in this passage. That there's mm. no temple, right? There's no sun, there's nothing unclean or cursed. There's no darkness or night. Mm-hmm. There's no threats. It is it is not stated explicitly, but it's implied right. by the fact that you have giant gates. So walls are meant to protect gates. You know, are a weak point in the wall, and these gates are wide open right. day and night. Yeah. So there's there's no need for any of these things because God is present there yeah there's no sun yeah yeah and no. the, and but there's endless light yeah right light is a huge focus in this and we've seen the glory of God radiate out of the city and bring light to all of his creation right and people are seeing God beholding him mm-hmm. truly for the first time uh, so it's just I mean yeah, verse, verse four is amazing to me. Chapter 22, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Not the beast's name, right? his name. He will claim them and they will see him. Just that beautiful picture of being able to see God, mm-hmm. the one that has given us so much that we know so well, but we've never seen. Right. It's going to be incredible. And then uh, chapter 22, we see echoes here of Genesis, of course. We see this river flowing through the city. Mm-hmm. We see the tree of life, which is yielding its fruit, right? Mm-hmm. So the leaves bring healing. The, the fruit, of course, brings life. And so we're able to partake freely of this beautiful gift from God, Right. A life that we've been cut off from since the fall of Adam and Eve. And now, now we have this gift again. 22.3 says, no longer will there be anything accursed, But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. So there's no more curse. Right. There's no more curse. The curse from Genesis 3 has ended, it's done away with. The earth is not affected anymore by Adam's sin because Christ was made a curse for us. Amen. And then we have this intimacy with God forever. So again, read these chapters, meditate on them. They're so beautiful, so incredible. And then it ends with Christ reminding us that he is coming he's Mm -hmm. coming right verse 7 behold i am coming soon blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book so Mm -hmm. blessed are you if you endure if you turn away from the evil of the world and take hold of the faith in jesus christ right take hold of him who gives life and then kind of toward the end here we say we see verse 14 blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter the city by its gates. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, and the sexually immoral, and murderers, and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. So have you washed your robes? Have you been cleansed by Jesus, or are you living for the whore, for the world? Hmm. And then he says, he says this. I love this phrasing here, the spirit and the bride, verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come, not the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. So clear at the end. This is all by by faith, right? Yeah. It's a free gift of God. It's a gracious gift of God that is received by faith. Hmm. So the Bible wants you, at the end here, the Bible wants you to believe in Jesus, yeah, right? To trust him, to look forward, to anticipate his coming. Yeah. So that's that's how it ends. Verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Yeah. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Amen. That's the end. And so we have hope, right? We have hope that Christ is welcoming any who hears these words to believe in him, to experience life. Mm-hmm. To You know the end of the story. Right? You know how it ends. Yeah. And so you can know what role you play in it. Mm-hmm. And you can follow him faithfully in the time that you have on this earth. So... Yeah, again, this is, we're all at the gospel, the good news of Jesus, so I would compel you in this last time we have to believe in him, to trust in him, if for the first time maybe, but for sure more than you did yesterday. Right. Keep trusting in him, keep giving your life over to him, and persevere till the end. Yeah, endure.
0: Endure. That's the meaning of a revelation, right? That's all. Well, thanks for joining us for Daily Gospel. That concludes uh, this season. We'll see you next year uh, for the start of our new season, and um, be blessed and endure to the end, and hope for Christ to come again.